today on The Breakdown. It's a cash game, baby, with two big names. Actually, multiple big names are at this table. But check this out. It's a six-handed game, and somehow, someway, the blinds are 50, 100, 200, 400. That's right. There's two straddles. Everyone's involved. Everyone's got money. And guess what? We've just got, oh, no big deal, Sean Deeb, Matt Berkey, and Bryn Kenny all battling for this cash. And I will say this. There is a play that is made that Grant and I spent a solid half an hour debating if it's the greatest play in the history of poker or not in this hand. So we're going to get into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan. I would say that was just a classic hyperbolic levy opening, but it's true. Yeah, we are. We are debating that. Um, and I, I it might be even a little hyperbolic because it's possible it's not the greatest play in the history of poker, but it would be like in the running if the intentions are. Yeah. The, all of the benefit of the doubt is given, and those intentions are true. It mm-hmm. may be in the running for greatest player in, in history of poker. I think it's got to be top five like already. It's on the Mount Rushmore already, if indeed it's what what the intentions would be. I To be clear, just so everyone knows where we're standing, admittedly, we're just debating it, but I feel pretty strongly it's not what, what Grant is thinking about potentially it being. Grant doesn't necessarily think it is either, but he thinks it's more likely than I do. You'll hear all about it as we get into it. Right. I give it like a 20% chance, yeah. so I'm not saying it's likely, right. but it, I am saying it's possible. I gave it a 1% chance, but we'll see as we get into it what you guys think. Don't get swept up in the well, romance of it, see. though. We won't see unless they tweet at us. So if once this podcast is done and you've heard it, we'd love to hear your thoughts yeah. on if you think that, that this player is really doing this thing that is possible that he's doing. All right. Well, and that player is going to be... Bryn Kenny, yeah. who is the $400 double straddle. And who's more likely to double straddle in the world than Bryn Kenny? The guy who used his entire life role to buy into a $1 million tournament, got to the final table, and bought a half million dollar bottle of whiskey. Okay. So, that is really unfair to Bryn Kenny. It was half of his life role he spent buying into okay, this tournament. Okay, sorry. <laughs> not, sorry. Not all of it. And it wasn't just the final table. They were in the money when he bought the half million dollar bottle of alcohol. I think they were only like four-handed. He had already locked up something like $7 million. I'm just trying to be fair to Brent Kenny here. <laughs> something you don't Those know anything about. What'd you say? I mean, it's better than, it's better than buying a half million dollar bottle of whiskey <laughs> when you're three remaining in first place is 600K. But, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not amazing either. It's I also don't better think than... any time is a good time <laughs> to buy a half million dollar bottle of whiskey. Yeah. I, I think I mean, the diminishing returns start around 60 bucks, probably. That's as someone, when the diminishing returns really start <laughs> kicking in. I don't drink, period. You know this. And some, I guess some of the listeners who probably most don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't drink at all and haven't for a really long time. And uh, it wouldn't occur to me to spend, to me, $60 for a bottle of whiskey is like, you're just stealing from me, bro. Because like, what am I going to do with that? I'm going to like use it as a paperweight over here. You know, it's like $2 to get well, out of my free- face. For you, sure. I mean, to give you a sense of it, as a person who I do drink, but not whiskey that frequently, but I do like it, um, a $30 bottle of whiskey has the potential to be really, really good. Huh. A $30 bottle. So, so half a million seems like a bit much. I mean, it was probably smooth as hell, though, right? Like I don't ooh, know. I mean, it ooh. might have tasted like shit. 
What if it, it had like, like shit when you get, when you get into that rarefied price point? I don't think it's necessarily about the quality anymore. It's about the marketing and the scarcity you've yeah. created. It's like wine. Like have you right? heard of a Have you heard of a Birkin bag? No. Oh yeah, sure I have. Sure I have. Yeah, I heard about it from Planet Money. You probably heard about it yeah. too from Planet Money. The, these like not very special like uh, overarm bags for women that cost twenty thousand dollars or more. You know, just yeah. just because they've created the scarcity and this like inability to get them. I mean, have you heard of diamonds? I mean, it's the yeah, same that's thing, a good right? point. <laughs> good point. Anyway, unlike a Birkin bag, I guess a Birkin bag has some value. Diamonds have almost no value. A bottle of whiskey does have value. For example, I could use it to make a Molotov cocktail. Right, I could douse some some cloth in it and light it on fire and, you know, commit arson. I can do things with that. I can melt down the glass. I can smash smash the bottle against the table and jab someone in the throat with it and and just end them for looking at me. I can do things with that whiskey. So sometimes the half a million, maybe, you know, you may be like, I really need a bottle of whiskey right now, and I'm willing to pay a half a million because... Those are, those are interesting points. Thanks. I think those are good points against the Birkin bag, but diamonds actually do have uses. They have, like, industrial uses for, yeah. for like, intense cutting stuff. Okay, that's fair. I and, mean, the Birkin bag also yeah. does have uh, obvious use, right? Yeah, you put... You put a one dollar bill in it and walk around. <laughs> it's yeah, there's it's a carrying implement, it's a carrying device of some sort, you know. Transportation helps you portableize your life. It's pretty sweet. Yep. Can't do that for twenty bucks. Right. Or or zero, like at the grocery store when they give you a bag for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like they always give you free bags. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting how that works, but this is not a podcast about that. Maybe someday we'll do an economics podcast mm. and talk about scarcity, but I'd like that. You know, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't count on it. I'd like um, it, though. That'd be pretty fun. Yeah. We'd have to do a lot, we'd have to do a lot of research, yeah, though. That's research. not really our thing. Someone else really can do. do that. We'll get a producer to do the research. We'll just present and argue. Okay. That's the fun part. Just like here. So a lot of presenting, who's going to be arguing. on the side of... Who's going to have to be on the side of Birkin bags actually are worth $20,000? I'll find a way. <laughs> I'm willing to do okay. it. Sweet. I'm the guy Birkin. who I'm the guy who in uh, when in grad school in my uh, budgeting class, we were taught all about lotteries and how it's, you know, a regressive tax on the poor and all this kind of stuff. But I'm the guy who raised my hand and said like really trying to think like outside the box with it and say, "I actually think there's value to lotteries." beyond what we're talking about. And the professor's like, go ahead and explain. And I talked about this idea of when you buy a lottery ticket, costs a dollar, but you have, you have an emotional response to it. There's a hope that you get, and it's, there's a chance of winning. You think about all the things you might do if you win and all this kind of stuff. And, and that's worth the potential 30 cents that you know, you're losing, because the, the lottery ticket's probably worth 70 cents to you, even though it costs a dollar, right? But that, that, that hope and that emotional thing, that lift, that possibility is potentially worth 30 cents. And I was expecting to get crushed. This is like a you know, Ivy League grad school class. And the professor was like, I'm really going to think about that. And I was like, victory! <laughs> I declared victory because I mean, he said he was going to think about it. That was the end. That is, uh, I mean, that's, that is a good thought, but... I don't know if it's that special of a thought. Isn't that just called a positive externality and is like a common economic concept? A positive externality is usually um, not emotional. It's usually uh, something that you can be measured. So this, is, this can't be measured, so I don't think it counts as an externality, as a true externality anyway, the, like within okay. an, an economics uh, viewpoint. Okay. So but but in, in a way, certainly it is an externality, yeah. 
This is going to be the longest podcast ever. We're talking about externalities, and we're going to like, this is going to be a long one hand-wise, I mean, too. Like, what the hell, man? We started with the greatest play in the history of poker we've yet to talk about anything to do with cards. That's crazy. It's very us. It's very poker, yep. guys. It feels great, yep. though, doesn't well, it? Speaking of Birkin bags, we have Matt Burkey yeah. playing this hand. How about that for a transition? This hand that was suggested by Leo Chen, who is uh, attempting to climb the mountain he was sort of called out weeks ago by being a, a good suggester, but not in the company of Mark Testart, who he had suggested a hand alongside. And he went back, he dug deep, and he found this hand from 2018, and it is a damn good one. So, Leo, you're working, and we see you, and we appreciate you, Leo. Keep, <laughs> keep suggesting on Twitter, which is what Leo did. He did it at two poker guys, uh, the number two poker guys, and included a YouTube link and timestamped it. And that's how Leo got his hand to the poker guys. Even the longest journey begins with one step, Leo. Well, it depends. Uh, like, maybe you are going on wheels. You don't need steps. You have to step into the wheeled implement. What if you are born without legs? and <laughs> Then you lose. You're not, <laughs> oh, okay. you're, you're not allowed to go. <laughs> or it does, Maybe okay. you're allowed to go, but it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, this is going to earn me a lot wow. of points with the world, huh? Yeah, that's messed up. <laughs> hey, it's you, not cool. All right, I was going to take some shots at you, but I'm going to let it go. <laughs> I was going to try. I was going to try and divert the attention to you, but I'm just going to not do it this time. A classic <laughs> levy move. But I, I appreciate the restraint. <laughs> You're welcome. I appreciate the restraint. All right, let's talk about the players in this hand. Let's do it. I'm ready. Right. Matt Berkey, well known. Matt Berkey, yes. very famous over the past couple of years. For many of you know, many of you know he doesn't like us very much. Uh, that's it, I think it's that's just been the case for about a year, maybe yeah, a year and a half. It's just because of that one podcast I think we did where I was like, "This can't be good. This can't be good." And you were like, "Maybe in the future, there's some chance it won't be awful." And I'm like, "But what are the chances of it? It's basically zero. And you're like, "Yeah, it's basically zero. And I think uh, I think that really stuck in his craw. <laughs> I think that was maybe the straw that broke the camel's back because yeah, we had maybe. not always we we've we always try to give him the benefit of the doubt, but as we know, Berkey makes unconventional plays, and sometimes we can't find the benefit right. of the doubt, and right. uh, and we have to say what we think because you know we're That's trying right. to be true poker analysts here, and not just like bow down to the the well known players. Yeah, what's the point of that? Why would we make a show if we're just going to be like that was great, everyone? Like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. We're just doing our thing. And if you don't want your plays poker. criticized, if you don't want your plays criticized, don't go on televised poker. You, you don't can, want your you plays cr- out of that. If you don't want your plays cr- criticized, don't submit the hands to the poker guys, and then we won't analyze them. But we're breaking it down, Matt Berkey. You 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 send us the hand. We're going to break it down, yeah. Matt Berkey. I forgot this was another. This was another. <laughs> yet another in a long line of Matt Berkey suggestions. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. He used a YouTube link. <laughs> He put it on Twitter. <laughs> All right. These things did not happen. If he, keeps, if he keeps trying, he might one day reach the rarefied air of Leo Chen, but not yet. So Berkey, yes. in this game, which is a 50-100 yeah, game, but we have a double straddle on, so it's up to 400. Berkey's on the button with queen three of diamonds and $87,000 in his stack, which is a lot. I guess maybe he knew there was going to be a lot of straddling and double straddling. Because that's a ton for a fifty-one hundred game, obviously. Or maybe he's just a Garrett Adelstein type of guy. I think you know for a ton of money. Sean Deeb is at this table. Maybe also he's like doubled up once or twice too. You know, for all we know. Like yeah, I'm, all I know knows. is this hand. So anyway, all you know in your entire life is this hand. Tunnel vision, man. Feels good. Tunnel vision. Feels good to just forget everything else in the whole world. Be present. Be here now. You know. All right. 
this I, I'm probably going to get into stuff too much because we have so much to talk about. But Berkey's going to open Queen Three of Diamonds on the button to eleven hundred. Yeah. I have a few questions about this. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> like, that's fine, but let's not spend too long on this. Okay, but go ahead. All right. When there's a double straddle on, and the double straddle is to 400, and it's Bryn Kenny in that double straddle, shouldn't we be making it a bit bigger than 1100 if we're going to open the button? Um, I. That's a fair question. Do we really think that we're going to get that much more full equity? Well, how much bigger are you thinking? Let's start with that. Like 1600? Yeah. That's a reasonable open size for sure, 1600. I mean, 1100 is not unreasonable. I think we assume Brent's defending a huge percentage and maybe the same percentage either way or almost the same percentage either way that I don't know that it's necessarily better or worse. Also, you can at least make a case that by keeping the pot a little bit smaller pre-flop, Berkey gets to utilize the value of position a little bit more because then they'll be deeper. Now, they're pretty deep anyway, though, aren't they? Because Kenny also has 60K in front of him. So maybe that doesn't right. matter. Uh, it matters a little bit, I guess. But, uh, but it's not going to matter as much because they are pretty deep. All right, my second question is, shouldn't your button range be different when there are four people who have already put money in the pot and are invested in the pot and you have to get through all four of them for everybody to fold? Like, should you be opening hands that are not as good as a random hand, an I, average random hand? I mean, first of all, have you, do you have any sense of Berkey's button range? Because I do. I, I am not talking about Matt Berkey. I'm asking the question... Oh, just a general... In this scenario. Oh, okay. Like, should you open Queen 3 of Diamonds, which right. is which is worse equity-wise against the deck than the, av- than the random average hand. I don't know that that's true. The average hand is queen seven. This is suited. I don't yeah. know that it... I, th- I would guess queen three okay. is actually has a little bit more equity, but it's close. It's certainly right, it's or, right in there. Um, should you be doing that? I think, it, I think the... If we're up against unknown opponents, I would probably do it the first time and see what they did, you know? Um, it would basically come down to what do I think about my opponents, though? You know, if I think they're going to be... If I think they're going to fight tooth and nail, I have no interest in opening a hand like this. If I think they're going to most, if I think like, especially the, the two blinds are just going to get out of the way because they don't have very much invested, then I think it's fine to open a hand like this. What do you think? Well, I mean, maybe, I mean, you have to have those things both working for you. And by the way, the two people with the most money in the pot right now are Sean Deeb and yes, Bryn Kenny. And they are going to fight tooth and nail and they are both very good. This is very true. This is very true. Now, I want to come back to something. Now that we're talking about the specifics, though, of who the players are, I think it's fair to, to bring Matt Berkey back into this and to say he might be tightening up his button range and be opening queen three suited. True. That's I mean, true. here's what I know about Matt Berkey beyond some of the other things that I know about Matt Berkey. So in one of the Poker Out Loud YouTube things that they do where they're playing and they have uh, headphones on so they can't hear anything, so they basically talk about what they're going to do before they do it. They're playing a cash game. There was a raise and a re-raise. I watched, I've only watched like four or five hands of this, but there was a raise and a re-raise, and it gets to Berkey on the button. He's got jack-six off suit, and rather than fold or put in a four-bet, he feels it's important to explain to the audience why he's not playing the hand. Like, everyone else just folds quickly, and he's like, all right, so i got to explain why I'm just going to fold here. And spends like minutes explaining it. And I don't mean to say that as like, a put down on Matt Berkey or anything like that, but just like that's how crazy wide he is on the button and how much he values the button. He's going to play his button as much as possible and like push back whenever he has the button. So to me, he might be folding the jack sixes off suit of the world when he normally wouldn't be here, but to him, queen three of diamonds is like, oh my God, an actual hand. Like, this is crazy. Of course I'm playing this. Just saying. But yeah, I agree I mean, with you. If I look down and see Brent Kenny and Sean Deal, I'm like, I'm getting three bet a lot. 
There's four players to get through. This hand isn't really that good. Why? Why? Just why Why try and steal here when there's so many better opportunities down the road, probably, right? That'd be my yeah. thought. Yeah. I mean, maybe he does value the button more than almost anybody else, and maybe that's something that we're a little behind on. Maybe the button is yeah. more valuable than we even realize from, like, and there's some metric that you can use to define that or, or prove it. I mean, the deeper you are, sure. the, more, the more valuable it is, I think. And he, they're sure. very deep. So there's that. You know where the button is super valuable is deuce to seven single draw no limit, which I played a little bit of last night. Where yeah, you also get to see who how many cards people are drawing before you draw. It's pretty I mean, pretty that, important. That's why it's so valuable, right? Really, I guess there's also the value well, of like whether you check or not, like the 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 river bet, basically, right? Yeah, post draw bet is yeah. valuable too. But I think the most valuable thing is yeah, you get that information and then can act accordingly. Like that's huge, right. huge. Anyway. So Berkey opens the queen three diamonds. It's yeah. not going to work out how he wants, I don't think, because in the small blind for 50, we've got a guy named GL who clearly isn't interested in playing well or folding hands that he's supposed to fold, which is not good news for Berkey opening this hand because this guy's just going to cold call king nine off yeah. with 50 invested. I mean, that's just terrible. Makes- this guy makes the whole game run, basically, right? If he's going to yeah. flat with king nine out of the small blind with three guys to go, I mean, with the, yeah. and these guys especially, like that's just insane. Right. And then there's the uh, Sean Deeb, who's in the straddle. The big blind folds, who's Frank Casella. Okay. Sean Deeb is the straddle. He's got 26,500 in his stack. He's going to call with King Jack of Spades. Very reasonable hand to call with. He could even three bet. I mean, for sure he could three bet. I mean, it's, I don't, it's possible that the small blind calling is slowing him down from three betting because he's like, that must be a real hand. Like, Berkey Maybe. absolutely doesn't have to a real hand, but... I would guess that Deeb knows enough about this guy by now to know that it doesn't necessarily have to be a yeah. real hand. And I mean, maybe, maybe Deeb's concerned about stack to pot issues because he's only got 26, five to start. And yeah. if he three bets and gets called, it gets real shaky. It does. But I mean, obviously just calling with his hand is fine. It plays yeah. well, but you know, we also, gonna, Ken- we let bring Kenny in so much now by calling and it's sort of, it's too bad. Like, I don't really want Brink Kenny in the hand if I can get rid of him. But anyway, I cannot hate on Sean Deep for calling with this hand, obviously. No, that I is refuse, a fine play. I refuse to do it. Brink Kenny. Brink Kenny's in this double straddle. He's got 60K in front of him. He's got nine of spades, seven of diamonds. Mandatory to enter this pot for 700 more now, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. And that's, that's what he does. He calls. The pot is 4,500. And uh, Nitrogen Sports Poker is what you guys should be thinking about now, because I'm going to talk about it. It's yeah. uh, there's, there's a link there in that description of the podcast. And if you use that link, when you sign up for nitrogen sports, you get access to the greatest iterated value in poker, the poker guys monthly tournament. Tell them about it, Jonathan. Well, let me tell you, Grant, here's what happens. They guarantee a thousand buy-ins. We never get more than 200 players. It's capped at 300 players, meaning there's always an insane overlay, meaning all this extra money is just out there waiting for people to grab. It's just on the street. Just bend over and reach it down, my friends. Pick it up. You can bite on it and see it really is gold. Uh, So there's that. Also, it's really cheap to play. It's 0.1 millibits, which these days is like 90 cents. And even with Bitcoin, you know, no matter how volatile Bitcoin is, it's really not going to be that much money because it's 0.1 millibits. So that's good. (laughs) Uh, They also, of course, have sports betting. They've got casino games and they have their cool new slogan, which is nitrogen. We rock, we roll. We lift your soul. Everyone, let's score a goal together. So, (laughs) wow. Yeah, I mean, that was clearly... 
you didn't even even as you were saying their cool new slogan, you had no idea what the next words coming out of your mouth were going to be. <laughs> they, I mean, I think you know they've really their marketing department got together in the time of coronavirus. Like, how can we help everyone come together? We score a goal together. You know, I love that. And to me, that's that's what it's all about. Grand family, friends, dogs. You know. It's like that time in the NBA Finals when Magic Johnson and Larry Bird decided to hold hands and run down the court and then dunk a basketball together at the same time. Well, I don't believe that ever happened. But, oh. but before the, uh, the Finals where the Pistons played the Lakers the first time, Isaiah Thomas and Magic would kiss each other uh, on the cheek before every game, like in front of the cameras and stuff like that, which at the time was insane. I mean, still is a little insane, but was completely unheard of back then. Like there was massive homophobia everywhere. But it was in the 80s, you know, the late 80s. But they did that. So they were best friends back then. Now I think they hate each other because everyone hates Isaiah. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> and that's when I called it Sweet Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh it's such a good reference but it's so far away from what we're doing i hope people get that I know. all right i know some one or two people will get that yeah uh, maybe even a few more we have thousands of listeners i i'm gonna go yeah. 50 people might get that it's a it's a okay. classic bit anyway please continue all right so now we have four-way action we've got gl in the small blind with king nine off he's going to be a garbage human sean deeb unfortunately for him also going to be a garbage human with king jack of spades ouch the people that matter in this hand are Bryn Kenny with nine of spades, seven of diamonds, and Matt Berkey with queen three of diamonds, and they are both deep. Kenny, the effective stack between them was 60K in front of him. $4,500 in the pot. The flop is six of spades, eight of clubs, deuce of hearts. Uh, That can't be the flop. It's impossible for that to be the flop. I'm lying. It is something similar to that because there is a diamond on the flop. I know that. There sure is. Well, so we're going to figure that out. You really let everybody down. So that's good. I think At it's least the deuce of now every. I think it's the deuce of. No one cares what you think. What is it? What's the answer? It's the deuce of diamonds. The deuce of diamonds. So it's uh, six of spades, eight of clubs, deuce of diamonds. Yeah. So Bryn Kenny has flopped open ended. Nobody else has flopped anything at all. Yeah. And it checks all the way around. Do you think Kenny should be leading? And do you think if Kenny does not lead, do you think Berkey should be taking a shot from the button? Okay. Um, I think Kenny should lead at least a little bit here. Probably not a lot. But at least a little bit. Uh, he's calling. He's at least calling, right? So if he's planning on calling, he should lead some of the time when he's planning on calling. So he picks up some fold equity too. And also when he gets there, it's not weird. Suddenly he isn't showing massive strength. Like he's, so he could have a wider range more of the time. Um, but mostly I think he's going to check when you're forehanded. Um, yeah. I don't think Berkey should be betting. I think it'd be a huge mistake to bet forehanded when he has like, he's got the backdoor flush draw and he's got the over with the queen, but... I just don't know. I mean, like, it's so hard to get it through everyone. And Sean Deeb and Bryn Kenny, as we said, are, are going to fight hard. And this clearly this guy in the small blind is, doesn't really know what's up. So he may make some weird plays, which aren't going to help either. I don't like betting at all as Berkey. What are your thoughts on both those questions? Uh, I think I agree with everything you said on both of them, especially Berkey not betting. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe Kenny could lead a little more frequently than you're saying, because this board of all of the players in the hand is most his board. He might even have six deuce off it's possible yeah with that's fair. the price he was getting so i think he can rep a lot and also he has like significant equity so if you're going to lead anything when you flop open ended on a board that really hits your range the most it's kind of a good time to do it mm-hmm. that's fair but i think it's 
It's fine to check, too. Totally fine to check also. And when you say, uh, like, what percentage do you think he should be leading here? And I know we're just making it up here because donkey's not a strong suit, especially four ways. It's not something we think much about, but... I don't know, maybe 40, 50% of the time. Oh, wow. That's higher than I would have been thinking, for sure. I was thinking... Yeah, like, maybe maybe he should only do it if he has 9-7 suited and has a backdoor, which would reduce yeah. it to well below 40% of the time. I like that but, a lot better because, like, yeah. we're, it's hard to think we're going to get it through on the flop very often sometimes but mostly not right and if we can fold out Berkey right. though we'll have position on the table which will have some value too that makes it a little better i like i like it with the backdoor flush draw all right so we're down to three out of 16 combos so definitely okay less than less than 40 percent of the time so like 18 percent, 17 percent. that sounds that sounds pretty cool yeah so i that. guess maybe that's more in line with what you said anyway damn it i can't win yet don't not worry yet. i'll win later guys yeah the audience favorite will win later <laughs> All right, so it checks around. Still 4,500 in the pot. The turn is the six of diamonds, pairing the middle card and giving Matt Berkey a flush draw. Yes. So GL and Sean Deeb are both mostly going to be done with this hand unless they decide to make a play, but they are not going to do that. They both check. Bryn Kenny decides to bet. He's going to bet 2,600 and 4,500. I think this is like clearly the right play and only thing that you should ever be doing in this spot with this hand, right? Seems super standard, super obvious. We have... Equity, if it comes in, you know, people may not be able to tell. If we if we hit a diamond, it doesn't help us, but we could rep diamonds potentially if we want to. Um, this card is better for our range than for anybody else's. It seems I think like that's the most important part. Seems super straightforward to bet here. We could very easily have so many combos that include a six and play yeah. it exactly this way. And yeah. so, like, we have tons of fold equity and real equity. So it's, it's great. I would guess if Berkey had a six, he's betting the flop. I would guess if the other two guys had a six, they're probably betting the turn. Like, there's just so many good reasons to bet here. Like, it's going to work a huge amount of the time just to bet. Now, turns out Berkey turned a flush draw, so fine. But, like, that's a little unlucky that even Berkey has any equity. Like, usually everyone's just going to throw their hand away, I think. Yeah, Berkey turned a flush draw, but it's not an ideal spot when the board pairs and the guy in the big blind on this board bets, right? You're like, yep. Could be drawing dead. You could be drawing to a worse flush than he is. Um, you could be like getting hit on the river with a diamond, but also giving him a full house. You know, there's, it's, there's a lot of problems and yep. you only have one card to come, yep. but it's still, it's Bryn Kenny and it's probably too good to fold. Should Berkey consider raising as an option? It's I, a bad story. It's a really bad story. It's a super bad story. I don't think anyone's going to believe it. So we have to assume like, Sure, we might fold Bryn Canyon off this exact hand because it's, cause it, the board's paired and he has nothing. But anytime he has anything at all, we're just screwed. Like, there's no way he's going to believe it. He's Bryn Kenny. He's, he's way too fancy and way too smart. These are two fancy play guys, right? Going up against each other. Yes. Like, there's no way Kenny's going to give him credit, I don't think, for like, oh, yeah, you slow played a set on this board four ways. Sure, you did. Like, come on. Or two pair. Like, give me a break. You didn't bet a six four ways in position when everyone checked to you, really? To like protect some of your equity really like come on like so i just don't think there's any there's nothing believable about it so i think it's a bad time to raise even though i don't love a call either but at least we have the button in front of us we know Berkey we're and we're deep so there may be some value we can extract or bluff you know like if if, if it's a brick and kenny checks he might be giving up and maybe we can blow him off on the hand on certain cards at least like an ace a king a queen might make us the best hand Maybe a jack we can win with. Maybe a 10 we can win with. You know, obviously diamonds are yeah, good. I mostly agree with that with one caveat, which is Berkey specific. I feel like I've seen a lot of hands 
with a similar structure to this hand where Berkey in position, multi-way checks back either top or middle pair. He, hmm. It's one of his, what's one of his little moves that he likes to do. Huh? Okay. That's fair. I don't think I, I'm not really thinking of any of those right now. I'm not saying you're wrong by any means. I, I can't, it's been a while since we've done a Berkey hand. Uh, so, but I don't remember him doing that, but I'm not saying you're wrong by any means. I think uh, it's the only two or three live at the bike hands that remind me of that one, one specific one that comes to mind was when he had ace eight on a, 10, 8, 4 board, three ways, and he checked back on the button. Huh. I don't was, he, was the preflop, he was the preflop raiser? Interesting. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Interesting. I, don't, I feel like I saw it other times, too, but that one specifically stands out. Um, yeah. that, that all said, the story is still too bad yeah. to make a raise here. I think so. Right. Like, I mean, but calling feels poopy, but it feels like what you have to do. I mean... We're, we have a lot of money in front of us. We might lose this 2600 and not, I mean, it's, but so be it, you know, like I think I agree. I think we just have to call here. Hope that one of the blinds doesn't raise and hope we either hit a diamond, hit a queen or bring Kenny checks basically. Right. Those are the really good outcomes for us. Yep. Yeah. Cause if bring so Kenny checks, calls. we're going to bet. We're going to bluff. I think we have to bluff mostly again, depending on the river. So bring Kenny calls. Sure. Sorry. But Berkey. Yeah, calls. I mean, if like, if, like, an eight pairs on the river, we're probably not going to bluff on that card, right? Right. Like, I think that's a really bad card to bluff on. Um, maybe but, not even a six or a deuce either. Right. No, I think we need a Broadway card to, to bluff. It's my guess. Mostly, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, a diamond is good and a queen is good. Like, we hope. We hope. Turns out they we are. We hope. But I think, I think we'll feel comfortable with those cards enough to put chips in if, like, Bryn Kenny bets, you know, and a queen comes. We're going to call if, if we hit our queen. We may think for a while, but we're going to call it. All right, so the other guys both fold. Yeah. Pot's 9,700 now. Go into the river. We have uh, Berkey with queen, three of diamonds on the button on the six of spades, eight of clubs, deuce of diamonds, six of diamonds board. Mm-hmm. Burn Kenny has the open ender with nine, seven. Yeah. The river is the 10 of diamonds. So they both get there. Bad news for Burn Kenny. He makes a straight while Berkey makes a flush. Yes. This is, uh, this is actually like the sickest of all cards right here. This is yeah. the one, I think. Because even the five of diamonds completes more full houses like six five suited completes full houses but like ten six doesn't really complete any maybe Brent Kenny can have that a little bit but like you know there's less of those so it's the sickest it's the safest card that makes both these guys monsters it's pretty crazy so do you think Kenny should bet okay well here we go here's it's time to get into what might be the greatest play of all time or not yes okay, do I think Kenny should bet um I think Kenny should probably bet, yes. To get called by? To get called by a six or a hero. Yeah. I think I, should, I, think I would just bet it. I got a diamond in my hand. I would just probably bet it. And mostly, I mean, obviously we to, should... Go ahead. In order to bet here, I actually think you'd have to know about Matt Berkey that he checks back top and middle pair yeah. on the flop sometimes in spots like this. Otherwise, I don't know if there's enough to get called by. Or maybe like an over pair. I don't know. I mean, Berkey may have top pair, I guess. I mean, it's hard to think that he really has top pair. But I guess you said once in a while he'll check that back. He might just decide to hero because that diamond is the kind of card we might bluff on, you know? Hero with what? Ace high. I mean, that's all I got. It's not good. It's not good. Ace high with the ace of diamonds? No, he would turn that into a bluff more rather than hero that, right? Yeah. Uh, It's hard to get called by very much. It's hard to get called. But what are we, if we check instead of bet, what are we hoping is going to happen? Well, if we know about Matt Berkey and we know that he can check back top or middle pair, he's not going to bet an eight probably, but he will bet a six if checked to. So we get value from that either way, right? But don't we want to get value from that eight? 
Like if we bet, we yeah. might get value from the eight. If we check, we don't. That's true. Like I got to believe he's checking back in eight, right? He just has so. to. It just seems like he has to be. And is there any tens he can have that makes sense that he could have rivered? Uh, nine, ten, maybe. I mean, You'd it's really, flop. really thin to call with nine, ten on the turn and not bet the flop. Seems not super likely anyway. But maybe. it actually really feels it really like if we exclude all the Berkey stuff, it really feels like he has a flush. Like Berkey yeah, has a flush. I agree. Like when he doesn't when he doesn't see about the flop and then he calls the turn. Like what else is it? I mean, he, if that would mean he's not see betting any flopped draw or flopped pair, sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I agree. I think it feels like it is a flush a lot. Yeah. Like a, that, that's not a good card for us. It seems. So should, should we just check call and like hope it's okay? That's should that my, be the plan? That would be my plan. I think that's what I would do pretty comfortably. I would check. I might bet actually to try and get value out of the eights once in a while because I know a flush is going to get my money either way. And if he raises, I can probably just comfortably fold. Like what bluffs does he have? It's with, hard the, to come up with, with the knowledge that Berkey checks back those hands on the flop sometimes, of course. Otherwise, yeah. you yes. wouldn't really expect to be able to get that value. Right, right. Um, but I think having a diamond in our hand makes it like, I might as well bet to try and capture some of the worst hand value because that's usually going to check back anyway. It's hard to come up with hands that don't have anything at all that can't check back here on the river or bet for value when we're losing. So I think we do a little better by betting, even, when, even though the diamond comes. I don't know. I think I like checking better. Just... To do what? How does that help you? Uh, because... Like, I don't feel like you can generally get value from worse hands when you bet with a straight here that often. Okay, but what is the value of checking? I'm still going to ask that. I hear what you're saying about not betting, but what's the value of checking? Yeah, that's fair, too. I guess, like, hoping Berkey's going to Berkey and, like, have a hand that, like, king-queen and decide he wants to go nuts and, like, float and then bluff. I don't know. It seems like, it seems like I, I think of the two outcomes, and I admit they're both pretty unlikely. I think we do. I think we have more positive outcomes by betting, uh, just a few more where he's going to hero sometimes. Because I can't think of bluffs that he can come up with that he'll that he'll make it to the river with when there's two guys behind him on the turn. That's the board. It just seems really hard to come up with. Yeah, those, those are fair points too. This is actually like not a great straight to have in this with this runout and the way his opponent has played the hand. It's like not an ideal spot. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Definitely not ideal. But well, Kenny decides to check. He's going to check. Yes. Berkey, of course, is going to bet. Hell yeah. What What does it look like Kenny has, and how much do you want to bet? Okay, well, Kenny looks like he has a pair, or I mean, he sometimes he's just giving up. But I think usually he's going to, he might take a shot if he doesn't have anything at all, right? Because he could be like, I can rep that diamond, maybe. In yeah. His head. Maybe. Um, although it does, like we're saying, it looks like Berkey has a lot of diamonds. I think Berkey has a diamond range advantage. At yeah, least I think he has so. more diamonds than, than Kenny. I think you're probably right. Um, so Berkey's trying to get value, I think, from something like trip sixes, which is a similar spot, really, to a straight, except it's even worse, right? Yeah. Like trip sixes absolutely might check and then absolutely might call. Straights absolutely might check and absolutely might call. I don't know that we're going to get value from one pair of hands. I don't know that any of them can really reasonably call. Like if somehow... Kenny just took a weird shot with a 10 on the, on the turn, just like bluffing with like air, which he might do because he's bring Kenny. Maybe ace 10 or like king 10 can decide to call. Maybe. But that feels like, I don't know, he might find a fold anyway, honestly, because look at the board and look at the story and like, what are we supposed to have? It feels like 
course, like, how do we not have a good hand here, you know? So you want to bet really small to just, like, hope and pray that he has something he can call with? No, I want to bet big because I feel like most of the heroes aren't going to happen. I feel like it's like we're targeting trip sixes or better, mostly. Worst flushes, trip sixes, yeah. straights. Like, forget the 10. I'm not going to try and target the 10. I want to get strong value out of trip sixes and better rather than small value out of 10s and everything else. That's, that's my move. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's probably right. Berkey goes somewhere in between. He bets a little more than half pot. That's 5,500. Yeah. All right. Here we go. So let's do this this way because this okay. is the play in question is about to happen. Yes. I want to start with the most rudimentary explanations and, and build up to the this is super elite explanation. Okay, cool. So Kenny raises to 16,700, which the first most rudimentary explanation is Bryn Kenny isn't as good as we thought, and he overvalues hands. Because, like, how could you ever get value from a worse hand with a straight here is the initial thought, right? So that's the most rudimentary explanation. Sure. All right. You, you got something else. I, I, sure. First of all, I'm, I'm happy to toss that out. Bryn Kenny's not terrible. Like, we yeah. know that. So, like, I don't, think, I don't think it's as basic as, what a terrible play by Bryn Kenny, a doy, and move on. Like, I don't think that's fair. Okay. Now, what are other possibilities? I think it's very reasonable Bryn Kenny may think he can get real value out of trip sixes here and that this is the best way to do it. Um, where he feels like if Berkey has a flush and Kenny bets, he's probably going to get raised. And I don't know if Kenny's calling or not, actually. Um, but that Berkey has a lot of trip sixes here when he decides I don't think to bet. Berkey, I don't think Berkey can raise a flush on the river. If Kenny bets? Yeah. How can know. he raise a flush? To get called by trip sixes, to get called by worse flushes? I mean, okay, to get called by worse flushes, maybe, but like Kenny absolutely has a ton of full houses in his range. If you have a flush, you don't block any of them. Yeah. And Kenny has like all of them. That's true. He has pretty much all the full houses. I agree with you there. Okay, well, it's a really bad play to raise a flush. Okay. Well, then this is, then maybe this is even better uh, that we can get an extra bet, an extra street of value from trip sixes this way that we wouldn't be able to get otherwise. Like, you know, if we bet, if Berkey's not raising a flush, he's probably not raising trip sixes either. <laughs> Even though he blocks full house, he's probably not going to actually raise trip sixes, right? No, Almost I don't think ever. he's raising trip sixes if, right. if Kenny had bet the river. I wouldn't think so. That seems weird. Unless he's doing it as a bluff, which is a whole other thing. And he doesn't need to do that. Like, his hand's strong enough. He doesn't need to do that. Um, so I think it's possible that Kenny's just sitting there thinking like, okay, Berkey bet 5,500, right? Into 97 Feels like a middling to strong hand. I want to get value from some of those, i.e. trip sixes mostly. And I think Berkey's the kind of guy, especially because he has a full house blocker, he might call. Okay. Well, now, I can think I, of I don't know if you bad can, things about that too, in fairness. Go ahead. Sure. I don't know if you can derive that much from the sizing from a player yeah. like Matt Berkey. Fair right? enough. That, that he's got a middling to strong hand and then therefore put him on trip sixes. Yeah, um, I agree. So that explanation is, is pretty good, but it leaves out the whole, you know, Berkey has to check back a six on the flop and also not have a flush that often. Yeah. And so that's problematic. You know, I, like I agree. it feels like Bryn Kenny is better than having that thought process, doesn't it? Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe he thinks that like you, you're better than having that thought process, right? Right, but these guys are playing, are doing levels upon levels with each other. So I, I don't know how fair it is to just 
say, well, if I wouldn't do it, that means Bryn Kenny shouldn't do it either. Like he's trying to like level one, be one level ahead of Matt Berkey, wherever that is. And that of course is the whole thing with this hand that was, we're going to get deeper into this play right now. Yeah. Let's, let's get to it now. Okay. Let's get to the, the, the supermaster explanation. Here we go. Here we go. I give a 20% chance of actually happening. And Jonathan gives a 1% chance of actually happening here. Correct. And to premise this, I want to say that, if there's a player capable of this play, it might be Bryn Kenny. Like if the most likely player, a player who is really good, really thinking player, but also has massive fancy play syndrome and is always trying to find ways to make the fanciest possible play. So I think it's possible that taking part of Jonathan's last theory, we add another part and we have the perfect play where he thinks, okay, if Matt Berkey has a six, he might call because he blocks full houses. Mm -hmm. If Matt Berkey has a flush, which is very possible he might fold because he does not block full houses. So by check raising here, I can both fold out flushes and get called by trip sixes, which is not absurd. I actually think that from Berkey's position, it's better to call with a six than a flush. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, that it's better to call a six with a flush for sure. Um, there's a few problems with this. And by the way, a few problems with my, my theory too. It's the same problem, um, which is this, which we didn't even talk about in our big, half hour argument before we started recording <laughs> about this, which is Berkey has other options. If he has a six in his hand, than what we're talking about, we're like, well, is he going to call or is he going to fold a hand like this? Well, he also oh, has a blocker like to the shelf? full house. He has a blocker of house, and he's Matt fricking Berkey. He's exactly the kind of guy who might decide to three bet with a blocker in his hand. He's exactly the guy. And what a disaster I mean, that would might. be. What a disaster might, that just... would be. What if we what if we get shoved? Well, let me just finish this. What if we get yeah. three bet by all the sixes or a number of the sixes and called by all the flushes? Now it's exactly the worst play. That was the worst poker play of all time instead of the best. You know, <laughs> just saying. Well, okay, this is another that's thing fair. that's in play. Go on. That I guess that is a possibility, but perhaps Kenny thinks that that's not how Berkey goes about it, and he will yeah. like he's got a call with something, and a six is kind of the perfect hand to call with. A uh, six is a pretty good hand to call with. I'll I'll agree with you there. I mean, honestly, the queen three of diamonds is a pretty good hand to call with. Like, it's not that it's, bad to call with, is it? No, it's, it's not, but it's worse than any six, right? It's worse than any six because we don't block the full houses, but we do beat all the worst flushes, which, again, is Kenny really check-raising worst flushes? No. I guess he is. Look, I guess, I guess he, he is. If he's check-raising he this hand, why wouldn't he be check-raising worse flushes? Right, I know, but you wouldn't expect it. That's right, why it's of one of the greatest plays of all time. <laughs> So I know it's, it's complicated, so I want to reiterate, yeah, like, if this is actually among the greatest plays of all time, Bryn Kenny has put together a number of things. One of them is that Matt Berkey is, one of Matt Berkey's most likely holdings is a flush, and that is a holding that he may fold to this action. Another of Matt Berkey's likely holdings is a six because he checks back sixes sometimes. He would have played a six like this all the way. Some of the time, he might call with a six because he blocks full houses Therefore, a straight is the perfect hand to check race or a weak flush, I guess, would be the same thing. And so that that's like basically encompasses the thought process behind if Bryn Kenny is actually making a great play. I think if Kenny was doing this with that intention in mind, he wouldn't have a diamond in his hand, but he does. That makes it a little bit worse. Like, I think he'd be more apt to try not to block the diamonds at all. Why? By the way, I don't know that I don't know that Bryn Kenny would be doing this anyway. Like, to be clear, why would he be more apt to not block the diamonds? Because we want Berkey to have a flush and not a six, right? So no, like we want having him to have either. The whole point is we want him to have either. Right, you're right. We want him to have either. That's fair. Okay. We kind of block both, though, a little bit, don't we? With a seven in our hand and with a diamond in our hand? Like, 
That doesn't matter, though. Why? Because what are the other holdings Berkey has? Yeah. I guess the other holdings don't matter. You're right. Then we're beating everything else, so who cares? Yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Are you coming around on this play? No. You coming around? I'm not. I'm not coming around. I don't believe this is what's going on. I think it's asking way too much. And I believe if Berkey found a call, like most people would call here, we wouldn't think anything except like, huh, weird play. Brent Kennedy really thinks Berkey's going to call light, I guess. Moving on. I think that's all it is. Yeah, by the way, Berkey folds. Yeah, Berkey folds. Otherwise, we wouldn't be calling it potentially the greatest play in history. I think people can figure that out. Right. But so just curious, what is your ultimate explanation then? I believe Kenny thinks Berkey is going to be super sticky with the six. And he, he must really believe, like you were saying, that uh, multi-ways Berkey's checking back six is a lot on the flop. Like a lot. That and, may be... And wait, wait, let me finish. And he's got a diamond okay. in his hand, so he blocks flushes. And I think you put that all together. He's like, all right, it's close. I have a diamond in my hand. Since I blocked that, I'm going to make the play. Try and get called by a six. I mean, even if you know Berkey checks back sixes some of the time, yeah. like he still seems so much more like he has a flush than he has a six, having checked the flop and called the turn. I agree. I agree. I don't think this is a great play. I, I question this as a good play. Now, I'm not saying it's terrible, but I think this is like, I believe this is more like I was walking down the street and I stepped on a banana peel and I ended up you know, sitting next to the Queen of England. And I'm getting credit for that triple backflip that I did. But actually, mostly the banana peel did all the work. It feels like that's what happened here more than anything else. I'd love to but talk to Brin Kenny and, and know if that's true. Right. But I just feel like it's like giving no credit at all to Brin Kenny and his reputation and all of the things he's done in poker. To, okay. To assume that he makes such a like rudimentary mistake, honestly. Okay, like but the, wait. But no, no, no. But if he thinks he can get called by trip sixes a lot, he plays with Matt Berkey all the time. He knows how hero-y Berkey can be, Right. So but that doesn't discount that he can easily have a flush. I agree. I agree. But maybe he thinks like Berkey has enough sixes here that he can get the call. I agree with you. It seems the way the, the hand plays out that it looks like Berkey has more flushes than, than trip sixes. I agree with that. But I think much like you're saying, I'm sort of not giving Berkey enough, or sorry, Bryn Kenny enough credit, which I sort of agree with you, by the way, that I'm not, when I say the, the banana peel thing, it's like a little too much. But I think you're giving him way too much credit. I think you swing the pendulum so far the other way to say, okay, what's going on is this. He's going to try and fold out a flush and get called by trips because that's something we've ever seen before or since by anyone in the history of the world. <laughs> well, let me, let me tell you where I'm coming from. Yeah. And like, I, first of all, I'm not trying to get you to say that this is absolutely what's happening. I'm trying right. to get you to say there's at least a reasonable possibility that it, this is what's happening. Not that it's definitely happening, but that because it is Bryn Kenny. Yeah. And if he is thinking 25 levels deeper than the poker guys, maybe this is something that he can come up with on oh. the spot easily and understands. It'd be so and, cool if it's true. Yeah. And like, I think the, the place that I'm coming from is giving Bryn Kenny credit based on his reputation, based on his results, based on what we've seen him do before. And thinking it can't be as simple and bad as him not count accounting for flushes enough. Because if he's doing it just just to get called by a trip sixes and not also to sometimes hold out flushes, it's just a pure bad play and kind of a major mistake as far as the amount of blinds you're putting in the pot. And okay. not a mistake I would expect a player of his caliber to make. Well, but I think you're also making um, a lot of assumptions about how Bryn is reading Berkey. Right, so Berkey sure. did end up with a flush here, but Bryn may also think like Berkey's going to raise his flush draw a lot on the turn, especially if he can check back sixes sometimes on the flop. That's like a good spot to raise a flush draw. Um, Berkey's going to bet his backdoor flush draw on the flop because he's freaking Matt Berkey and he's crazy and he's on the button and he's deep enough. And so if he thinks those two things are going to happen a fair amount, he can start to discount at least some of those flushes. I think that matters. Also, if, he, again, if he has a diamond in his hand. 
Yeah. So. Still, though, yeah. I mean, a flush does feel like the most likely handbrook you can have. Uh, I kind of agree. I like to disagree, but I can't really strongly disagree. I mean, I, I think here's the other thing, though. Like, you do this more than me, where you give certain players, like, you're really apt to give guys more credit than I am. And maybe that's good and maybe that's bad. But, like, we see elite players make what we feel are clear, pretty clear mistakes. Negreanu talked about it when we interviewed him a few years ago, right? He's like, sometimes I just screw up. Sometimes I just make mistakes. We've seen Dan Coleman make plays that we're like, really, Dan Coleman? You just four bet all in for 96 blinds there with two fours when you didn't have to? Like, or you've just three bet all in for 53 blinds with ace jack off? I mean, these are real hands. I've seen Dan Coleman play. When Dan Coleman's at his yeah. peak and like... It isn't like that, that caught on and all the elite players are doing it or even Dan Coleman's still doing that. No one does that because those were bad plays, I think. And like, like everyone has weaknesses. Even the best players have. Like no one is perfect. And this may be a place where Kenny thinks he can, you know, he's got a, a, a laser read on Berkey. And I, I, quite, I think it's the simplest explanation to me is like he's wrong and he thinks Berkey's got more sixes than it's going to call than than he has here, or maybe thinks he has less flushes, or maybe, again, because he has a diamond in his hand, he just thinks he's blocks that, so he's going to go for it. To me, that's, that's more I mean, simple and more li- significantly more likely. So, I me, mean, reasonable so chance, even, to... even, even saying 1% to me is like almost a reasonable chance because I would give 0% chance to almost anyone else who made this play. <laughs> I know? mean, just adding beyond the sixth thing that you could also sometimes fold out flushes is not a huge leap to me. It doesn't seem like that huge of a leap to just add that into the theory behind the hand especially for a player like Bryn Kenny. Like, let's say, for example, like that you, Jonathan Levy, assess yourself as being a 96th percentile poker player, right? Yeah. Bryn Kenny is what, 99.9th percent? Let's say that. Yeah. So he's probably thinking in ways that a 96th percentile poker player could never begin to think without thinking about it forever. Okay, so then how can you sit here and say, I know what he's thinking? Like, that that works against you. That doesn't work for you. No, No, it does because I'm... Like poker player is different than poker analyst. I think when given the time to really sit back and think about these plays, like we we have the ability to get deep into the minds of these players in most cases. And okay, let well, me I don't ask. think we can do it in the moment. I don't think we were capable okay. of that in the moment. The okay. way Bryn Kenny is fair enough. Okay, that's possible. That's reasonable. Uh, but let me ask you this: If you're going to use distribution as Matt Berkey, what hands are you calling with? We're blind to Bryn Kenny's hand now. What hands are you calling with? Well. I guess you have to ask yourself about your range against Bryn Kenny's range first, because okay. Bryn Kenny has at this point, once he's check raised the river, when the hands played out like this, what looks like a massive range advantage, right? Cause he has all the full houses. Yeah. So that means we don't have to call with that much of our distribution as Matt Berkey. Um, I disagree with that, by the way. Like, against a guy who's got super fancy play syndrome like both these players have, I think you shouldn't be overvaluing range advantage. I think you have to lean more on normal distribution because otherwise these guys are going to take blockers and drive you to the poorhouse. Well, here's what you can do. You can use distribution to call with sixes and fold flushes. Um, You can. You could also use distribution to say, all right, what are the best hands I have here, right? Okay, six is a valuable card to have in your hand. There's no question about it. Um, but we, we, are we just going to fold all our flushes and call with all our sixes? That's the plan, period? I don't know if that's a good maybe, plan. Maybe when, when Bryn Kenny has such a massive range advantage, maybe that is the plan. Like, and you did agree earlier that it's better to call with a six than a flush, and 
for those who don't well, well, fully understand that. Wait a second. No, no, no. I agree. In, in theory, it's better to call, but there's some real value when you have a big flush because what if we're getting check raised by a smaller flush? I just don't think that it's happening like that often. I mean, obviously, Bryn Kenny's capable of that in this type of a play. Yeah, exactly. But, like, you would never even fathom that, right? If like, Bryn that's Kenny why we're had, calling this. If Bryn Kenny had a smaller flush and made this play with these intentions that like you're talking about, it's a better play than with the hand that he has, right? Because he blocks more flushes. So he's more likely for Berkey to have a six to get value from. It's better. I mean, sure. So, but like, he did, he did, I mean, if we're going to go down ability. this, if we're going to walk down this staircase, like, big flushes can get, can call and beat small flushes. Like, that's pretty cool, right? <laughs> like, sure. It's pretty standard to, like, so, fold some so of your Berkey. Yeah. Go maybe ahead. Berkey calls with his sixes and all his nut flushes then. Yeah, I guess I feel like Berkey's so wide on the button when he starts that he probably has like so many crazy suited hands of diamonds that like the queen high flush is probably too high in his distribution to actually fold. Now, he did fold okay, it, but I that, understand. But that doesn't actually hurt Bryn Kenny. That, because it, that, when Matt Berkey's distribution is that wide and he has so many bad diamonds that he's going to fold anyway, that doesn't actually hurt the Bryn Kenny side of the play. Okay, that's an interesting point. That's an interesting point. Um, but my point is like, he's not just going to fold all his flushes or he shouldn't forget it. Maybe he is, but he shouldn't just fold all his flushes. I don't care how strong it looks. And I don't care just about range advantage, quite frankly. And I don't care about uh, blockers only. I think like I have a very strong hand. I'm up against a guy who's totally fancy. He isn't like the rock who's always going to have it when he check raises here by any means, by any means at all. Like, I don't know. I think, I think it's, I think it's kind of crazy to consider folding here. Yeah. Maybe you fold your worst sixes, like six, seven minus, and you mm-hmm. call with your nut and second nut flushes. You know, this would have been a good one to put into the solver, which we didn't do, to see what the solver yeah. says here about calling on the river and what it wants you to call with. I'd be very curious to see if it, if it agrees with this idea of just call with all your, call with all your sixes here because um, we blocked that. By the way... The other thing that we, we, I touched on really briefly we didn't get into too much is the idea of we have this other options, Berkey, when we have a six in our hand where we can decide yeah. to bluff. Because we're like, well, you don't really have very many full houses that don't include a six in your range, right, Bring Kenny? Because like if mo- some of your pocket pairs, if you had pocket tens, you're, you're definitely three-betting that pre-flop. Right, if you had pocket eights, you're almost. I think Bryn Kenny's almost always three-betting that pre-flop too instead of seeing it, seeing it four ways. Not always, but a fair amount of the time. Um, we've got a really clean, beautiful blocker here, and we could probably get uh, Kenny to fold some flushes when we three bet the river, right? Like that's super strong. So yeah, that's reasonable. And I think I want to walk back a little bit on. I think it, it like with the result that we see, if, if and like assuming that maybe Berkey does call the six sometimes, it looks yeah. like one of the greatest plays of all time. If if the intentions are as I'm laying them out. Yeah. But it's also still fancy play syndrome and probably not necessary to do like, and, and like has little snags to it that, that make it not as good, but like you have to be completely right about all of your opponent's reactions to how you're going to do this. If you're going to make plays like this is Bryn Kenny, basically, yeah. I think actually either way it's fancy play syndrome, even if it's a, a less complicated explanation is definitely fancy play syndrome still right well yeah i mean i think yeah. matt berkey's a really bad guy to, to do this against too with if you, let's say you're actually doing this very complicated play that we're talking about he's a good guy in that he's like smart enough to understand that like he might want to call with more sixes in his hand that that's like a good card to have in his hand rather than a flush but maybe i'm wrong maybe he's an okay guy to do it i just feel like he's he's a weird 
you know, he does weird stuff in his head. And like, I don't know how easy it is to anticipate where he's going in his head with a lot of decisions, especially when a weird thing like that, like we're doing happens here that we're gonna be like, oh yeah. So X plus Y equals fold, uh, you know, for, for the flushes. Like I, I really don't know if that's going to happen with him. Really don't. No, he doesn't, he doesn't solve for fold. He solves for Y. Yeah, that's right. That's clever. So get that, get that correct. Really, really clever. So we also got know, into a, a we got into a long argument about was, was this a merge bet or not by Kenny Grant, Grant saying at least for a while I don't know if you I don't know where you landed Grant saying that you thought it was a merge and I was arguing very strongly that I didn't think it was a merge even no, though I don't think it was I don't think it was a merge I think it okay I don't think uh, there's such thing as a merge bet but back in like 2012 there was a time when I feel like people were using the term merge bet to mean exactly this where you're trying to like accomplish two potential outcomes that are both positive for your hand. Um, and that was never actually like a real thing because that's not what merging your range is. So um, that is okay. where I fall on that. Fair enough. Yeah. Like people were trying to do this, but they could never do it with any precision. Like you're like, you're potentially giving Brinketti credit for Right. They were just saying right. like, well, I have bottom pair. Sometimes if I bet, I guess maybe ace high will call it. Sometimes if I bet, sometimes a slightly better pair will fold. That would be cool. I guess. I don't know. Versus like, if I bet here, if I raise here, I'm going to absolutely fold out better. These better hands, I'm actually still going to get called by these worse hands. Like that's a completely different level it of is. specificity. And it is. And, and it's, it's a scenario that like, honestly, Brinkenny has the dream scenario where that is actually possible. I think. Yes. Right. It's yes. like really hard to find that scenario. Mm-hmm. You have to be against the right player who understands blockers and how blockers matter more in distribution than hand strength in some cases. You know, you have, it has to all line up perfectly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, d- definitely weigh in on what you guys think here. Uh, I know it's... Yeah, we'd love I, to hear. Yeah, I know it's, it's, it can be seductive to say, like, this, was, this potentially is the greatest play of all time. I still don't really buy it. I guess Grant doesn't either if you're saying 20%, right, Grant? Yeah, I'm like, just saying there's, like, a reasonable chance right. that Right, you is. just think it's more likely, that's all. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. But that means if you don't think that, what do you think it's 80%? If you're saying 20%, it's this. What's the other 80 I don't, I don't know. That's why, like, that's why I give it as much as 20%. Like giving it 20% is hard because it's a very complex thing and it's giving a ton of credit. Um, the only reason I get as high as 20% is because the other 80% leads me down the path of Bryn Kenny isn't very good. And I don't believe that. So because I don't have another explanation, that's good. That's why I give it as high as 20%. Yeah. That's why I just, that's why I came at sort of land on like Berkey's going to call me with trip sixes because, and, that, and that's it. Like, not, not worrying about the flush piece of it, just trying to get called by trip sixes because he's going to have a blocker, which, which is like my explanation that, for the rest of it. Because otherwise, I got I just can't else. believe that Bryn Kenny would be a guy who's not going to worry about the flush piece of it when the flush is so apparent. And Berkey should be playing flushes this way. Well, okay, you say you can't believe it, but you're saying 80% of the time you do believe it. No, I'm not. I'm saying 80% of the time I don't know what it is. Okay. And 20% of the time, it is what we're saying. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. That is that's that is at least different. Yeah, I mean, I guess fair enough. I don't actually know what it is either. I'm just trying to come up with stuff. I just don't think this this super user god play is uh, is that likely. That's all. This is even more than super user because super users just know what your opponent has. Like, you have to also know that Berkey will fold the flush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I added god to it. I said yeah. super user god, right? Because, right. Uh, yeah, so you have to magically make him fold <laughs> when he... <laughs> I don't know. Like, I've, I've said this to you before, like, against Stephen Chidwick, Bryn Kenny, Garrett Adelstein, Matt Berkey, Andy on Live at the Bike. These are guys where I think, like, when you have a good hand, you just mostly have to hold on. You just, like, 
don't worry about the story so much because they're good at telling stories and they're, they understand blockers and they're going to put you in, they're going to always put you in these awful spots. And if you have a good hand, you just probably shouldn't fold to these guys like kind of ever is my, right, and you're going you're to take some big hits too, along the way, but. That's a little too easy though, right? Because we've actually gone down this path with Brinkenny before when he's done stuff that was like outlandishly aggressive and like, how do these guys just not call him down all the time? Yeah. Obviously it keeps working because he's doing it in the right way in some way, maybe a metagame sure. thing where there's more balance than we're accustomed to. Like there's actually a lot more balance in his game than we've seen. Cause we just see the fancy stuff happen. That's you know? fair. That's fair. I feel like the stuff that we see and immediately we see just a selected group of hands. So there's a lot of stuff we don't see with him, but like, Usually we see people calling down, probably, in my opinion, a little too light. Like I'm thinking of the Dan Smith ace-10 hand when they were three-handed in that super high roller, where he just went call, call, call with ace high. Um, yeah. Which felt like, can't we just have better spots than this? Like, but to me, like, a flush is a pretty good spot, you know? And like, I don't know, I would use like more rudimentary forms of distribution against a guy like this, I think, where it's like, I have a good hand I call. Like, I'm not going to worry about it. Like, until, I mean, you show, until you give me reason to do it, something else. Like, all I, every time I look up, I see Steven Chidwick making a play with a blocker, it feels like. Every time I look up. And I mean, but you can't ignore combinatorics. I mean, like, the six is such a huge, powerful blocker in this spot where Bryn Kenny's combos getting cut down by half mm-hmm. is such a huge deal yeah. to cut down his full house combos. Yeah. Like, enormous deal. Right. I agree. But I would worry, like, what if he has the ace of diamonds in his hand? He's making this play. Also. You know, he's Bryn Kenny. He does shit like that. Yeah. Like, oh, that's, that's, I feel like I can immediately justify calling with the queen high flush. No problem. And maybe most of my other flushes, maybe all of my flushes, just, just well, with you're that thinking alone. That way, then, then don't call with the nut flush. Call with other flushes. <laughs> well, then I could just, no, but then I'm like, ah, oh, he might just have a, he might just also have a six in his hand and be making this play, right? Like, he can just have a yeah. six blocker, period, and be making this play. Isn't that like, suddenly I can call again with all my stuff because he's got, in my opinion, not, I shouldn't say my opinion. From what I've observed, it feels like he has just a huge amount of bluffs here. Maybe you're right that he's, he actually is super balanced, but we don't see that anyway. So we don't, up until, but, I, up I, until mean, I start seeing it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the guy who calls more and more here. That's, that's a fair thought, but he's playing against players who are better than you, and yes. they are not putting that together and doing that, right? So this can't be the whole story. Right, because they they have certainly would have had that thought if it was true that you could just call yeah. this guy down and, and make money over time. Yeah, I mean, I would guess what he does really is he try and figures out who's who, right? And the people who are going to call with good hands, he doesn't make. Who are going to be more up to call in these spots? He's going to yeah. make less, way less plays at, right? So the frequencies are more correct. And again, someone who's going to overfold, he's going to make these plays more, right? And that's what you should do, of course. Um, so. Fair enough, and I imagine that's what, that's what he and probably all these really good players are doing, ultimately, right? Like, Vanessa Selps, I'm sure Vanessa Selps, all the time when she was playing tournaments, would be like, all right, that guy is, like, waiting to trap me, you know? Because, like, yeah. I remember thinking many times, like, oh, I would just, like, never make an aggressive move against Vanessa and let her, like, go crazy against me. That's the obvious play. But it's like, of course she's seen that a million times, and of course she's, she's pretty good at identifying those players, and so you can't be super obvious about it. You know, you're going to have to... Not be, you know, you're going to have to make some folds and you're going to have to like make some aggressive actions or you have to fold, you know, you have to be more balanced so that way she can make some big plays at you. Right? I don't know. It's possible that Selpsty wouldn't, wouldn't still be profitable in the stakes that she was playing back when she was playing all the time because back then aggression worked a little bit better. People weren't using distribution as much. Yeah. She six bet shoved Jack seven off against Prahlad Friedman in a cash game for a hundred K for no apparent reason. Like, yeah, I think she's maybe more blind aggression than Bryn Kenny is. Well, that was then, though, and now it might be different, yeah. too, right? Um, yeah. In fairness to her. I would, guess, I would guess that's true. 
Um, but she was also mainly doing this in tournaments where, like, you know, she's using, like, the threat of your tournament life and all that kind of stuff very, very powerfully, you know? Yes. And she was really good at it. And I imagine it would be sort of hellish to play against her, and my plan would be, much like playing against Bryn Kenny or Stephen Chidwick, I'm just going to have to hold on more, and any time they cooler me, they cooler me. Like, I think it's just going to have to go that way, and a fair amount of the time I'm going to have a lot of chips because they're making plays at me until they figure out not to do that. And once they do, you know, then we're, we find some weird equilibrium again. Fair enough, but, like... I just feel like so many of these guys, like right now, it used to be these big overbets were all value. And now like everyone's figuring out, oh, you, except for Timothy Adams, you can overbet bluff and you can bluff with these blockers and make all these plays. And it's awesome. And it works really well right now. But there's going to be uh, distribution is the current tool used against that. But I believe we're going to evolve a little bit from here and we're going to get sure. better and figure out better ways to, to hold on against guys like Stephen Chidwick. Otherwise, he's just going to run over everyone for the rest of our lives. And we can't let that happen. Yeah, man, what a fascinating hand this was. It yeah, was a fun for podcast sure. Really cool, really cool. So, yeah, we once again, we would love to hear your thoughts on this yeah. play. Do you think Bryn Kenny is actually capable of putting this all together and this is actually the perfectly executed fancy play? Or is he making a slight mistake or is it something else entirely? So and, like, please tweet at us what you think. And also, if you say like you think this is happening, I think it's important to put a percentage likelihood on it because like Grant and I both are like quote disagreeing but Grant I say 1% Grant says 20% which means we both think like 80% of the time that isn't what's going on here at least right yeah. so we actually mostly agree <laughs> even though it doesn't yeah. sound like it so if you say yeah I think that's what's going on 100% that's really different than yeah I think that's what's going on 40% so give us your percentage too I want to hear yeah it. cool looking forward to hearing from you yeah Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it home.